Let's all stand, and we'll start off with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you tonight, Lord. I just pray that you be with each one of us. Be with this service that might honor and glorify you. Be with the message following. Be with this song service that might be a blessing for you. Christ in me, pray. Amen. Let's all take our hymn. Let's turn on hymn number 422. 420, I mean, 424. 424. Come on, you back to 421.
Have you ever wrecked a car? Bummer, isn't it? You've never wrecked a, bar, a car, Miss Rebecca? Bless your heart. Well, we know where, where the angel sets. <clears throat> Man, never been pulled over. Um, so anyhow, um, some of the worst uh, accidents I've been involved in I haven't even been in my car. Like uh, a couple of years ago, I parked in front of my house, and I hardly ever do that. Parked in front of my house, it's my spot, right? It's right in front of my house. It should be my area. Please stay out of it. My wonderful neighbor across the street, who we get along really well, he's the only other Christian on the block, decided to back his truck out, and it was like full tilt, and my, I had a gold Acadie at that time. It's almost like lifted it off the ground. He hit it that hard. And um, so I took it in, and I had it fixed, right? I hate cars that are repaired because I'm, I just got this OCD-ness about me, and I pick it apart, and they did a really good job. They really did. It's a little mom-and-pop uh, garage over here in Merriam. They did a great job. But there was always just this little thing here and this little thing here and this little thing here. I say all that to say the car's pretty well back together, okay? If you get up, you can nitpick it, okay? But why, right? It's 18 years old, looks pretty good, so we can be thankful, right? We've got a few little things uh, left to do. Uh, Brother Richard and Lalo put paint uh, up here on Tuesday. Thank you guys for doing that. And uh, 
Then we've got the little insulation, we've got carpet to clean, some chairs to clean, and it should all be done. So we have much to thank the Lord for uh, when it comes to um, being in our auditorium. We have much to be thankful for in the fact that we never really had to leave it other than one service. So we can just really thank the Lord. What, did it all happen the way we wanted it? No, probably not. You know, I'd like to, like two weeks after it happened, had it all back together, but insurance and all that happens with that. Anyhow, I'm thankful to have it back. I guess I need to dismiss the teens, don't I? All right, teens, you go ahead and follow your fearless leader. We're going to Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. I found it interesting as I uh, was doing the prep work on this portion. By the way, this is our fifth uh, time in the book of Ezekiel. I found it interesting that uh, on the fifth time uh, that uh, we just deal with one chapter. Before we've been in groups of chapters, I think it started out with uh, chapters like one through three and then four through eight, and we moved in groups. Uh, but when we come to chapter 16, it's one that is dealt with uh, individually. And so uh, I want us to begin reading in verse number 1. If you found that spot, you can follow along. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother a Hittite. And as for the nativity in the day that thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled, swaddled at all. None I pitieth thee to do any of these things unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou wast cast out in an open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for our time together tonight. Lord, it's our prayer and our desire that you might meet with us, that we would hear from you, that we might gain knowledge and insight from uh, your word here tonight, Ezekiel chapter 16. Uh, a long chapter and uh, one full of many pictures and illustrations and a chapter that would do us good to just uh, gnaw on for a little bit, to think upon the things that we can find uh, in this portion of scripture that would both apply to us and then apply to the nation of Israel. We thank you for your many blessings to us. We thank you for uh, the way you lead in our lives. And Lord, we'd ask that you might be honored and glorified uh, in the preaching here tonight, we ask these things in your wonderful name. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> I read this and uh, thought it very applicable and just wanted to copy it um, and uh, repeat it for you here tonight. It says, Jerusalem likened to an abandoned baby adopted by God. Chapter 16, this is God's estimate of every sinner that he saves. And so uh, the writer here 
challenged and it said, read this chapter carefully. The origin of Jerusalem is likened to an abandoned baby, deserted, dirty, repulsive, and obviously illegitimate. Jehovah adopted this baby, cleaned her up, raised and trained her with loving care and concern. Then this baby girl grew up to play the harlot and deny the only one who befriended, loved, and nurtured her. Jehovah must judge her, discipline, and purify, but he has not forsaken her. He made a covenant with her, and he will yet fulfill it. And so many today want to say that God is done with the nation of Israel, but I don't believe that. I believe as we study the Word of God, he still has a lot more that he's going to do on their behalf. And so uh, the outline breaks like this. We'll begin with our first point. Uh, There we read the plight, the plight, the first five verses. And as we uh, read through these five verses, we find that the story opens uh, with uh, uh, a likeness of Israel seen as an unloved baby girl who was dumped into a field and left to die. And what a state uh, it was when we think about it. It says uh, there in verse number three, the birth and nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, thy mother a Hittite. And as for thy nativity in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. So no one cared for this baby girl when it was born. No one cared for it. No one provided for it. No one even cleaned it. They just took it and put it out in the middle of a field. Now, this was something that was done to a baby that might have had a deformity. Um, The uh, unholy nation surrounding Israel, uh, they would take their babies and they would offer them to idols. But babies with deformities, uh, these nations that surrounded Israel, would take those babies out into a field and uh, hope that some wild animal would devour that baby, that they wouldn't have to be faced with the inconvenience of raising a child, kind of reminds me of where we are in America today. Because of the inconvenience of a child, we offer abortion. We offer the opportunity to go and have that baby destroyed and, and cut out. And, uh, and here we have a picture of a baby that's left to its own, that isn't even cared for, isn't even cleaned up. And I can't help but draw the likeness too to what it was like for us before we ever accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. The world didn't care for us. The world didn't love us. I mean, they might have enjoyed partying with us, and they might have enjoyed the wild lifestyles that we might have shared together, but they didn't really care. There wasn't really a bond that they had with us. And so the second thing we see is the pity. The pity in verses 6 through 14. Now, I'm not looking to read all of this tonight, Uh, because I'd like to be done in about 20 minutes. But the pity is seen in verses 6 through 14. And the first thing we see is that God and the baby girl, in verse number 6 it says, And when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, because it had never been cleaned up, I said unto thee, When wast thou in thy blood live? Yea, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood live. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased and waxen great, and thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy uh, breasts are fashioned, thy hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. 
And so uh, God is saying, I came by, I saw um, this baby here, uncared for, unloved, and I nurtured, and I cared for, and I cleaned it up, and I provided for it, and I encouraged this baby to live. And so in the child of the believer, when we met Jesus Christ, we were undone, we were filthy, we were dirty uh, in this world, and he encouraged us to live, he offered us life everlasting, and we would call upon his name, we should be saved and have eternal life forever. And then he said, in verse number seven, I caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, thou hast increased and waxen great. And so he took this baby out of the middle of the field that was left to die, he cleaned it up, he washed it, he purified it. It kind of reminds me of the story of, of uh, the Good Samaritan going along the way, finding the guy that's been beat up. He takes and loves on him, encourages him, wraps his wounds, care for him, takes him to an inn, someplace safe. And so God does this here with this, this baby girl. And he cares for her and he multiplies her. And now she's increased and she's, she's gotten big. She's grown up, uh, just the description of her body and so forth. And uh, now she, is, she, is, she was naked and bare, and now God has provided for her and clothed her. And uh, he rescued her, he cleansed her, he gave her clothes, he's raised her up, he's invested. Invested. Then we come to verse number 8. Through verse number 14. God and young woman. When she's of age, God marries her, dresses her in the finest apparel, and bestows lavishes, lavish gifts upon her. God does everything that a man should do in raising a daughter, and God has been the intercessory here. He has raised this woman that she might grow, and uh, when we get saved, we come to that saving knowledge of Jesus. Praise God for a good local independent Baptist church that we can be a part of, that we can grow in. So Sunday, I'm visiting with a young man who's here. He's very troubled, and I'm visiting with him and, and counseling with him. And uh, I said, here's some things you've got to do. And, and I'm going down list. And I said, and this is the last one. This is most important. You need to get in church. You need to get in church. As important as it is that you're in your Bible every week, and as important as it is that you're praying every day, so it's important that you're a part of a good local New Testament church, that you're there to fellowship, to encourage, to be strengthened, to hear the preaching of the Word of God. Those things are important. And so God raises up this young woman, provides for her and cares for her, and bestows lavish gifts upon her. And then we come to the third point, which is the prostitution. That's one of those things that we don't necessarily want to talk about. It's difficult. It's difficult. And yet we find that here God has entrusted all this in her. In verse number 15, it says, But thou didst trust in thine own beauty, and playedest the harlot because of thy renown, and poredest out thy fornications on everyone that passed by, his it was. And so here she has come to this point in her life where now she relies upon herself. She has been given in marriage. She's on her own, if you would, under the authority of her husband or with her husband. But now she trusts in herself. She doesn't trust in God the Father any longer. She's trusting in her own. I can't help but think, how many Christians are like this? 
we get to a point in our Christian life that we, we, we no longer trust in God. We've been in church for a while. We, we know how church works. We, know under, we understand the, the big words and terminologies, and, and we can get to the point, if we're not careful, that we think, do I really need that much of God? I mean, we can go through the motions, and we can go to church, and we can hear the messages, and we hear messages that ought to stir us and move us, but we think, I'm okay. I've got this. I'm good. I'm okay. That's really not applying to me. That applies to someone else. And if we're not careful, we can begin to, to uh, build ourselves as our own God rather than being submissive to God and saying, God, what do you want to teach me here? What is the purpose of this? How is this supposed to help me? How can I continue to grow closer to you? Listen, we never come to the point that we have fully reached our full potential. I'm 64 years old. I'm not, I'm not even close to my full potential. I've got a long ways to go. Every time I read the Bible and I spend maybe a half hour in the Word of God, there's things that it points out to me that I need to change. I go and I sit under the preaching of the Word of God, and one reason I love to go and hear the preaching of the Word of God is because I want it to still stir my heart, even if it's a message that I don't like. I still need to be stirred. I still need God to speak to me. And I might say, oh, no, I've got this all under control. And yet I sit and I listen to the preaching of the Word of God. And I might even get to the point that I think, well, that's, that's getting awful picky. I, I think I'll just turn that off. But the truth of the matter is God's trying to say, look, I'm not done with you. I want to help you. I want you to grow to be more like me. And the only way you can grow to be more like me is by hearing the Word of God by reading the Word of God, by studying, praying, and meditating, and praying every day. If you ever get to the point in your Christian life, you think, I really don't need those things. I'm just going so that everybody will kind of see me, and I'll just kind of encourage them because they need it. We ever come to that point, we're in big trouble. We're in big trouble. I realize that I've still got a long ways to go. There's still a lot of work that God wants to do in my life. And, uh, you know, I'll just be honest with you. I think he's going to work in my life till I die. That's when it stops. Is that right, Brother Gary? Brother Bob? You guys getting on down the road? You're a little bit out in front of me. Still fighting the fight, right? Still battle. Still God says, hey, listen, straighten up, buddy. Get back on the road. Do right. Be an example. Let the Holy Spirit work in your life. And yet many times we're not careful. We say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got this, I got this. That's really not for me. Just pass that over. Let's get to something else. Or we look around and go, boy, those people really need that message today. It's very rare that I center the preaching of the Word of God that I don't realize that there's something in a message, whatever it is, that I need. I need it. Here's the corruption of this young wife. In chapter 16, 15 through 25, in verses 30 through 34, can I just say, I can't think of anything more disturbing than this picture. I mean, it's, it's one thing for a woman who's maybe been married 10, 15, 20 years and, and uh, to go out and have a, an adulterous affair. But here's a young lady. She's just been married. We don't know for sure how long, but she goes out into fornication. So it's not just one partner, it's many partners. It's not just the fact that she's 
uh, have an adulterous relationship, but she's fornicating with any and everybody. She's showing herself and she's making herself available. And what she's doing, she's turning her back on her upbringing, upon how God de devised in her life and tried to build her up. And now she's got it in her hands and she thinks, oh, this is real living. I just challenge you that we need to stay close to God. I challenge you that we need to seek God and seek his leading in our lives. And there's still things in our life that he wants to do. And there's, there's still things that he does in our life to remind us, hey, this is where you could be. This is where you are. But keep pushing on. I don't know how many times I look back and I consider those that I went to school with. Brother uh, Price is really good, probably once a month, he'll come up and he goes, hey, did you know so-and-so? And he's talking about people from DeSoto, where I grew up, and of course, where they grew up. And he goes, did, just this Sunday, he asked me, did you know so-and-so? I think they've settled, they lived over in Eudora, and, and, and then he goes, he took his life just this last week. Well, I didn't know him. At least I don't remember him. I'm finding out that I can forget things that I knew. Uh, laugh at me. The older people are going, oh yeah, yeah, me. And you young people, one day you'll figure it out. My dad used to always tell me this <clears throat> when he was teaching me to drive. He said, son, remember this. I back more miles than you'll ever drive forward. That's God's honest truth. I mean, he, he hauled horses and, and he had to back end. Of, I mean, he did, he did, he really did. He probably did back more miles then, well, maybe not I'll ever drive forward because it seems like I, I drive a lot, but there's a learning. And here's this woman, and she's turned her back, and now she's got her, her clientele. She's got those who follow her. She feels pretty important, maybe for the first time in her life. She looked back, and she goes, boy, what a horrible tragedy that here I was, left in a field to die, and and God came along, he cleaned me up, he gave me a purpose and a portion in life, and I got married. And now I, I'll just take control of this thing myself. Now I'm pretty valuable. Now people want me. Now people want to know what I think. Now people want to see my body. Now people want to be with me. Men want to, want to, to be with me. I can't imagine. And she would commit these adulteries over and over again. I've been through uh, some counseling with people in adulterous relationships, and, you know, I, I've felt sorry for people involved in those things. Uh, most generally, it's just one person with, with one other person. But this woman was not limited to one. She had many, repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. I, I, is it the book of Hosea, where Hosea is told to go down and, marry a harlot and repeatedly she goes out and cheats on him and repeatedly she's with man after man after man after man i'm not wired that way i don't know i could take it i don't know i could take it but god told hosea i'm going to use this as a testimony of my great love for you can you think about that just a moment grasp that with me in a husband and wife relationship there's so much trust put into it and when one fails it's easy in the world in which we live to say, that's it, we're done. But God's grace and God's great forgiveness is always before us. And that is where we say, 
in the world we would be done. But by God's grace, I said some vows in front of him, and, and I will work on this if you will work on this, and I'll forgive, and we'll go forward, and we'll make it work. And I've seen that happen time and again, and God bless it in a, in a miraculous way. But I've seen the unrepentant too. And they're like, no, I'm, I, I, I don't really want to go back to you. I want to, I'm enjoying this lifestyle. And then the one who would be willing to accept and take back is left, and the other one goes out and does what they feel is important and right in their own eyes. It's a picture of God's great love to us. And the fact, how many times have we walked away from God and he's welcomed us back? <clears throat> Miss Judy, yeah, Judy Gilson today posted a thing about the preacher on her, on her uh, Facebook thing. And it said, you know, preacher's just a man. Can I say, I, I, I hate to say, but can I say that there's been times in my life as a pastor that I've even kind of woke up spiritually and go, how am I, how did I get here? I should be there. I'm trying to lead lives and affect people. You know what I find out is that pastors fight the same fight as everyone else fights. And aren't you so thankful for a great and awesome God that says, just come back to me. Come back to me. I want to love on you. I, I want to keep you. I, I'm not going to throw you away. And yet that's the worldly philosophy today. What we do is we throw people away. That's not God's philosophy. Is I'm going to love you. I want to restore you. I want to help you. I want to bless you. I want to provide for you. The world say, just throw them away. Just get rid of them. We see that uh, in verse number 26, she fans the flames of God's anger with a promiscuity. Verse number 28, she never seems to find enough new lovers. In verse number 29, even after she adds Babylon, she isn't satisfied. She is never satisfied, always looking for a new conquering flame to take. And leads us to our fourth point, the punishment. The punishment. Um, now I know that you're like me and you would agree that our God is a God of love. His love brings with it judgment, punishment to try to right the wrongs, to try to get us back on path, to get us back on track. And so we see the punishment here in verse number 27. It says, Behold, therefore, I have stretched out my hand over thee, and have diminished thy ordinary food, and delivered thee unto the will of them that hate thee, the daughters of the Philistines, which are ashamed of thy lewd way. And over and over and over again in the Old Testament, you'll find the nation of Israel doing great, serving God, loving God. Everything's going good, and all of a sudden they're wandering from God. They're walking away from God. Here they are, and they're doing hideous things, and they're walking in the flesh, and they're serving themselves, and they're doing their own thing. And all of a sudden, God says, that's enough. Turn around. Repent. I'm here. I love you. 
I don't want you to live this way. Aren't you tired of going that way? Turn around. Come back to me. I'll restore you. I'll lift you up. Come back to me. Man, I'm so glad he does that. He's a true papa. I think you, you know. <clears throat> I love babies. They are so cool. They are so cool. Their little fingers, their little toes. To imagine... God, how'd you put all that in there? Right? They're going to grow up and they're going to have miles and miles of veins and arteries and blood's going to course through their body and, and they're going to have these little brains. And, and I can remember one of our first grandchildren. I'm, uh, we're watching them and, and uh, I'm standing there and Cindy goes, why are you standing there? I'm like, I want them to do something. I want them to do something. I want to... I want to go out and play basketball with them. I want to go for a walk. I, I want to have those intelligent conversations. I finally felt like someone on my level, you know. I, they're not going to put me in a hole. <sighs> yeah, try that. <clears throat> they can ask some of the hardest questions in the world if you're not careful. I'm telling you, I just, I love children. So good to know I have a heavenly father. I turn to and I say, Daddy, forgive me. Daddy, forgive me. Help me get back on track. Help me get back in your word. Help me to, to love you like I should. Help me to, to, to live an example of you and what you're doing in my life. God, please forgive me. I'll take my punishment, but I want to get back to you. Time and again, the nation of Israel was brought back to God through the punishment that he would bring their way. And here in chapter 16, we see that she was given over to her enemies. She was handed over to the Philistines who uh, were shocked. They were shocked by her conduct. She was stripped before them, verses 37 through 41. And the many, many nations that have been her lovers were going to destroy her. She'll be repaid for their sins in verses 35 and 36 and 42 through 52. God will pour out all his jealous anger upon her. For some reason I think sometimes that if I come back to God that everything's going to be hunky-dory, but the truth of the matter is that there's a payday. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. We don't always like the reaping part, but it's the necessary part. It, it disqualifies and it... It destroys, and these things have to be rebuilt and put back into place. But with God's grace, they can be. She'll be restored. In chapter 16, in verse number 53, I wonder what her husband thought about that. I wonder if he was excited. Man, she's so good. She's going to be restored. She's done all this hideous stuff, and yet God is a restoring God He's going to restore, I, I, I hope he was a spiritual man, that's what he said, rather than, no, I don't want anything to do with her. When God, God restores her, he's going to bring her back. She will be ashamed for her sins 
verses 54 through 58, her wickedness will be exposed to the world, but there's a pardon. And the pardon comes by the faithful God who loves her. He will reaffirm his covenant of grace with her. The nation of Israel, we know that they rejected the Messiah. That's why we get to have the good news today. I don't know about you, I'm glad they did. But they're going to have an opportunity to come back. It's amazing how blinded their eyes are. Doc, yesterday, sent me a video clip. I don't know, where, where's that guy from? Turkey. The Turkish representative's up and he's just blasting Israel. He's talking about God's going to bring judgment upon them. And he turns to walk away from the podium and falls to the ground. I'm like, who's God? Because you're picking on God's people and here you are. Today it was shared with me that uh, like 153 of 154 nations voted that Israel needs to, you know, just calm down. They don't need to keep on hunting Hamas. And I'm like, yeah, they're God's people. You better let them do what they need to do. But there's a judgment. And I'm praying for the nation of Israel. That's why we invest in missionaries. And that's why we send people, that they might take the good news, that they might tell them about Jesus Christ, that they might hear... But listen, this is also a representation to ourselves that if we ever wander away from God, we can always come back. There's always a way back. I don't care how bad, how, how rotten, how, how the world might look at it, there's always a way back to God. The pardon is there. He's a loving and a gracious God. So in dealing in a counseling session recently, had a young man tell me, he said, so I'm uh, having a disagreement with a friend of mine, and we're talking about eternal security. He goes, I was kind of raised at a church, and, and he named a church even right here in the Kansas City area, and he said, uh, that church taught us that we could lose our salvation, that if we didn't continue to walk with God, if we didn't live good enough, that we were going to lose it. And I said, okay, well, let's go to John chapter 10. I love John chapter 10. John chapter 10 talks about that we are placed in Jesus' hand, and that's placed in God the Father's hand. I have a silver dollar, and I took that silver dollar and I put it in this hand, Jesus and God the Father. And this is a big old boy, and I said, why don't you just take it? He couldn't. He couldn't. Something about a double grasp, and James says it's old man's strength, I guess. But he couldn't, and I think he got the point that once we're saved, we're always saved. Otherwise, it couldn't be called eternal life. Because I make that commitment to God, and he says, you'll have eternal life. He didn't say, you'll have eternal life if, if, the, in this, and here are the conditions, please sign these. That's not what he said. He said, you shall have eternal life. If you ever wander away from God, know that he's just one step away from coming back to him. Remember, there's a payment Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap, but you can come back. Lord, I love you today. And uh, 
Why Ezekiel 16 stuck right here in the middle, I don't know, but it is a great challenge to us. A lot of good reading and studying as we would apply it in our lives and our hearts. Lord, I'm thankful that you are a great and awesome God that loves us and cares for us, and that you took us out of the miry pit. As the psalmist described, you set our feet upon a solid rock. The mess and the filth of the world filled our lives, and you washed us clean and washed us white as snow. You gave us your garments to wear, your spiritual garments, not ours. When God the Father looks at us, he sees Jesus. How easy it is to fall back into the world to think that we're driving the car and put you in the back seat, live our life and do our things. And yet, God, we know that we're saved for all of eternity. There'll be a payment when we decide to live that way. But God's so thankful that you just open your arms and willingly take us back. Thank you for the time together tonight. We love you. And we'd ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. So we're going to go to our prayer list. Um, if you need a prayer list, you raise your hands. We've got a couple of 